At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. We are less than two weeks away, ladies and gentlemen, from real live college football and we'll have two ranked teams we'll have a top 10 team in usc on the field taking on san jose state notre dame over in ireland taking on navy so a lot to get to uh in the next coming weeks but i'm fired up for this one i know our guest guest he's a co-host of this podcast what am i doing he's the co-host of this podcast adam burke is uh is fired up we've already done the aac and uh with with Adam, and uh, now we are getting into the Sun Belt. We also did the CUSA, of course, but uh, I know you're you're geeked up about it. Is the Sun Belt, Adam Burke, your favorite conference in college football? Hundred percent. I love the Fun Belt, man, and you know it's it's actually a really interesting conference. I mean, it's a very very strong group of five league now. You got two very legitimate teams in the West, in Troy and South Alabama, and several good teams in the East. So. Is definitely my favorite conference, and I think it provides a good bit of betting value to it as well. So that makes it a lot more fun to follow. Yeah, it's uh, still a bummer um, with the dumb, dumbest rule. Not as dumb as college basketball, which makes you wait five years to be postseason eligible. But James Madison, uh, and we'll get into it, um, unfortunately not. Available or uh, eligible, I should say, to, uh, to make the conference championship. There is a way and a path to a postseason bowl. 
uh, for the Dukes, which we can get to here uh, momentarily. A couple housekeeping items. First and foremost, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, it's it's really been cool. Uh, I know I say it all the time, but you guys have have been awesome this off season as uh, the reviews continue to come in. It, it's great for the podcast, all of our podcasts. Uh, the reviews have been, for the most part, all positive. So we appreciate that. We, we're glad that you're liking it, and uh, we are. We'll be back doing our normal thing. Uh, Adam and I on Monday nights recording for your Tuesday morning commutes, uh, taking a look at updated power ratings and midweek games. Matt Humans and myself breaking down uh, all of the games on Thursday, and then we will have the live reveal show, the lines that are posted uh, uh, courtesy of Circa Sports. Uh, that'll be live on VEASAN and then in our feed as well. So a lot to get to. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Once again, you can follow Adam on Twitter at Skating Tripods. I'm at one Tim Murray. And uh, as you guys know, football season Right around the corner, VEASAN has everything you need to make this a successful season. And our college football betting guide features best bets from yours truly, from Adam Burke, from Matt Humans, Wes Reynolds, uh, many of other personalities, along with team previews from all 133 FBS teams, including the Sun Belt, which was written up by Adam Burke. Our NFL betting guide will help you tackle the upcoming NFL season. We have in-depth profiles of every team advanced stats, proven betting systems. You want it, we have it. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for as low as 19 bucks and get our NFL and college football betting guides. Head on over to VEASAN.com slash subscribe. All right, housekeeping out of the way, Adam. I want to jump into James Madison uh, because I'm going to go in order of the odds that are out there and certainly uh, differing odds in the futures book, uh, depending on where you look. But James Madison right now at DraftKings, it's a, a flat eight and uh, basically minus 110 both ways. Uh, the Dukes, very impressive in their first year, uh, eight and three last year, did not make a bowl because they were on, they were not eligible to make a bowl, did get into the top 25 before ultimately losing uh, to Georgia Southern on the road as a 12-point favorite, but a team that is not eligible to make the championship game this year. What did you take uh, take away from James Madison heading into 2023? I mean, they were simply spectacular last year. They were way better than I expected them to be in defensively. I mean, they were fantastic. They held opponents under five yards per play, just two and a half yards per carry. But the losses are very, very, very significant for this team here for this season. They lose Todd Centillo, who's, of course, the quarterback over at Colorado State. He was really good last year, 32 total touchdowns, 2,700 yards. So he's gone. They don't really have a lot of experience at the position, despite the fact that they do have a couple of Power 5 transfers that are coming in. But they lost a 1,000-yard receiver. Nobody else had more than 401 receiving yards. They lost their leading rusher as well, who had 5.7 yards per carry. This is where I think the reality of being an FBS team sets in for James Madison. And in fairness, you know, look, I mean, I have them down for 7.29 wins, so it's not that far off of their season win total number of eight. But there are a lot of really, really big losses here for this team where as great of a story as they were last year, keep in mind, FCS teams don't have the same number of scholarships, so they have to try and fill that out as they transition in. I just think depth is a factor for this team this year. I didn't bet under eight, but I do think they're more likely to go seven and five than they are eight and four. 
So a couple things uh, for James Madison when you're looking at the win total, right? Eight, uh, as mentioned, uh, at DraftKings. The crossover, man, good Lord. Uh, no no fortune there. They didn't get – they could have got Texas State and ULM. Instead, they got Troy and South Alabama. So uh, they they will be tested right out of the chute. They have an FCS opponent in Bucknell week one. Uh, they will get an opportunity, and they will be a short, short dog against Virginia on the road. Uh, they would be a favorite, I believe, at home uh, if they played Virginia. Then it's at Troy – a trip to Logan, Utah, and then home to South Alabama. So the month of September is uh, is no easy feat there for the Dukes. The back end of the schedule does certainly uh, lighten up a little bit. Uh, being selfish, uh, James Madison, if you could beat Utah State, that would really be helpful towards a, a win total under that I have in pocket, uh, under five and a half for the Aggies. But that is a that's a rough schedule uh, out of the shoot there for the Dukes. And uh, as mentioned, they they are not eligible to uh, to win the East this year. Uh, what is interesting, though, and I know a lot of people took advantage of this. I can't remember if we did, Adam, but they played Coastal Carolina in the final game of the season. That was their Super Bowl, and they absolutely obliterated Coastal Carolina, who was dealing with a ton of injuries at that time, rumors about Jamie Chadwell leaving. So come the end of the season, uh, there could be some opportunities to really back JMU. Maybe that November 18th game against Appalachian State, which would be their last home game or a road game at Coastal Carolina. Uh, they do have a chance, though, unlike last year, Adam, to make a bowl. So if there are spots available, they could get in, assuming they are over 6-6. Six and six. Remember last year, Rice got into a bowl game at 5-7. and seven. Uh, This year... James Madison would get in over a hypothetical five and seven team. So just keep that a note for James Madison. Still just a, a weird situation with the transition there for, uh, for the Dukes. This is the final year. And then next year there'll be a full, full blown member of the Sunbelt. Yeah, it is really interesting. I actually do have them a half point favorite on the road at Virginia. I am very, very low on the Cavaliers this season. Um, that Utah State game is really tricky because I do have them an eight-point favorite in that game, so that should be good for your win total. But situational, a, it's terrible, it's a brutal spot. Not only that, because you come off of opening Sun Belt play against Troy, then you got to play South Alabama at home in Week Five after that Utah State game. So that's a difficult one for them. I do have them over a touchdown favorite four times, but I also have them a half-point favorite against Virginia. Uh, Five-point dog at Troy, two-and-a-half-point home dog to South Alabama, one-and-a-half-point favorite against Georgia State, and then App State and Coastal are virtually pick games for me. So this is one of those years where things could go a wide variety of ways for James Madison. If they win all those toss-up games, they may go 9-3, and three, possibly sneak in a 10-2, and two, but if they don't win those toss-up games, they could go something like 4-8, and 5-7. or seven. So I think they're kind of a wide range of outcomes for this team which is why I would lean towards the under because when you get those close games, it falls on the quarterback and they don't really have that experience this year. So that concerns me. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know me uh, and our listeners, I think know me as well. Um, situationally is, is kind of my thing. Right. And I think there might be a little bit, there might be some highs and lows. Uh, they were hoping this off season to get a, a waiver to, to be eligible for bowl play, to be eligible for the Sunbelt championship from my understanding, if they had gotten that waiver to be eligible for postseason, then the Sun Belt would have said, okay, you can be a part of our conference championship. That didn't happen. 
because uh, the NCAA is a bunch of morons. So uh, here we are. But I think situationally, there could be some some roller coaster rides. So let's get to the teams that can actually win this conference. And we'll start with the favorite uh, plus 290 at DraftKings, plus 285 at Circa. Your favorite, the South Alabama Jaguars coming off of a 10 and 3 season. Uh, they got blown out in a bowl game last year, which was a, kind of a weird one where uh, they played Western Kentucky. Austin Reed had gone in the portal, then he came out of the portal, and then he just absolutely lit up this South Alabama team. But uh, Kane Womack, year three for the Jaguars. Carter Bradley uh, back for another year. They bring back a lot of pieces. Intriguing week one game as they are on the road at Tulane, who uh, if you saw the AP Top 25 poll, uh, Tulane comes in as the only G5 team in that preseason Top 25 poll. And South Alabama, only a touchdown underdog uh, in the eyes of the odds makers on the road at Tulane. But this is the favorite and, uh, you know, an interesting non-conference schedule uh, as it goes Tulane, South, uh, Southeast Louisiana FCS program at Oak State and then home to Central Michigan. And then they get into the brunt of, uh, of conference play. They have a big time Thursday game at Troy in the middle of the season, which could be a a, a preview of the championship game. Um, what do you make of South Alabama? Uh, win total sitting at eight right now. Yeah, I'm a little bit higher than the market on South Alabama. I've got 8.83 wins in my projections for them. I got them a five-point dog in that game against Tulane. The Southeastern Louisiana game is really interesting because you get Tulane, then you go on the road to Stillwater in week three. So that's an FCS team you should beat at home, and they should be greater than a double-digit, or they should be greater than a two-touchdown favorite in that game against the Lions. But That'll be a really, really interesting one to see kind of what the mental makeup is of this team, because I think they can beat Tulane and I think they can beat Oklahoma State. This is a legitimate group of five program. They've got tremendous coaching. Kane Womack, this will probably be his last season in Mobile. I think he gets a different head coaching job after this year. Major Applewhite's the offensive coordinator. He's obviously a guy that's been you know coordinator at Texas, was a head coach at Houston as well. Um, and then, you know, Corey Batoon is a really good defensive coordinator. They shaved five points off per game last season. They only allowed 3.3 yards per carry. That was top 15 in the country. They look the part. They really, truly do. With that being said, of their seven conference wins last year, five were by seven or fewer points. They were a top five defensive team in terms of red zone defense. They'll so give up 18 touchdowns in 42 attempts. So, this is a team that kind of ran on the right side of variance a little bit last year, but also I think they're maybe the best team in this conference. So I like this South Alabama team a lot. I think they have a very, very high ceiling. That game against Troy will probably determine who makes the conference championship game because nobody else in the West is all that good. But this is a legit team, man. I have them favored in 10 of their 12 games, and I do have them a one-point favorite on the road at Troy. So I think South Alabama is the class of this conference, and and I think you know if you could find something a little bit better than minus one thirty juice on the over, which is what DraftKings has, I, this has all the makings of a nine and three or better team. Yeah, and I misspoke. Um, South Alabama and Troy cannot play in the South Sun Belt Championship. They are division rivals, and uh, the winner of that game, as we saw last year, has the leg up to make the conference championship. Troy won that game last year. At South Alabama, ten to six. Uh, South Alabama was a real favorite. slugfest there. Yeah. South Alabama but was a favorite. Fair, I don't. Man. 
I don't blame you for 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 mixing that up with the Sun Belt because it feels like nobody has divisions anymore. Mac Sun Belt and the Big Ten, Big and the 10. Big Ten, of course, will go away next year. SEC. So. Oh, yeah, so. of course, the SEC. Uh, they'll never get rid of divisions. Well, maybe they will. One of these days. Uh, but let's get to the Troy Trojans. They are the defending champs. Uh, last year, they went 12-2. and two. Hell of a season for the Trojans. Uh, won their bowl game. A rare first weekend of bowl season ranked matchup. Uh, the Cure Bowl last year pitted number 23 Troy against number 22 UTSA. The Trojans won 18-12. to 12. Uh, Their two losses last year. They came against Mississippi, which they covered, and uh, they also lost uh, to Appalachian State, where they were a 13-point underdog. So uh, they were pretty good against the spread last year, 11-3, and so they made you a lot of money, the Troy Trojans did. Uh, this year, plus 310 at DraftKings, plus 350 at Circa. Um, you know, it, it does, you know, not to simplify things, feels like it. It really much comes down to that South Alabama game that they get to host on a Thursday night in early November. Um, you know, Troy brings back not as many starters as uh, as South Alabama. So when you look at Troy, once again, win total uh, sitting at eight as well, a non-conference schedule of Stephen F. Austin, Kansas State, Western Kentucky, which should be a pretty good game there. On, uh, on September 23rd, and they go up to uh, Mikey Stadium and take on Army. And uh, last year, they played Army in a barn burner, 10-9. to 9. They did not cover that game. So what do you make of the Troy Trojans this year, sitting with eight wins and uh, the second favorite to win the Sun Belt? Well, and if you remember that game last year against um, between Troy and Appalachian State, App State won on a walk-off Hail Mary, the 53-yard Hail Mary, after Troy took an intentional safety. So that made it a 28-26 game, and then App State walked it off with the Hail Mary at the final buzzer. So Troy's season could have been even better last year. And this is a really, really quality football team again. I think John Summerall is a really good head coach. He may be another guy who's done in, in the state of Alabama here and moving on after the season. So South Alabama and Troy could both end up being on the market for new head coaches here. You know, the offense... Made some modest gains last year, but this was all about the defense for Troy. They had 26 takeaways. They tied for seventh in the nation. They were plus seven in fumbles in terms of fumbles lost and fumbles recovered. So sometimes that's a stat that you kind of look for some negative regression, but they were eighth in the country in yards per play allowed and points per game allowed. So this was a phenomenal defensive team. They do lose, though, their top three tacklers including Defensive Player of the Year, Carlton Marshall, who's the all-time leader in tackles at the FBS level. So they do have some guys that they need to replace. They're going to need the offense to get a little bit better this season, I think. I have them pegged for exactly eight wins, which is their win total out there. So my projection's kind of falling right in line. They do have some games where they're you know small favorites, small dogs. So much like what I talked about with James Madison, their performance in those toss-up types of games are going to dictate you know, what happens with this team for this season. But with the significant losses on defense, I'm a little bit concerned unless they can really get this offensive thing figured out. So I just went back and I, I looked up. I'm like, man, did I? I remember betting on Troy. So they were, you know, I'm looking back at, at the year. Um, they were a 13-point underdog against App State. They lost that game. 
they were a dog quite a bit early on in the year. They were a dog to Marshall. Uh, I did not bet that game. And then I bet them against Western Kentucky, which they won outright, 34-27. to 27. Uh, I faded them against Southern Miss, which was a, a loser for me. And then I went hard on the on them in the Sun Belt Championship. That was remember Grayson McCall was banged up. Um, all the rumors were flying about uh, about Jamie Chadwell. So uh, yeah, I actually benefited probably because of you uh, <laughs> on Troy uh, last year. So uh, plus three ten at DraftKings, plus three fifty win total of eight for the Troy Trojans. No line on Week One uh, because they're playing an FCS team, the Lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin. Let's get to Coastal Carolina, a team that you know most people know because they've had so much success. Uh, they have a new head coach. It is Tim Beck, uh, much to the chagrin of you know people who know college football. Uh, but we will see. Uh, Grayson McCall is still there, so that is certainly a pretty big surprise. Went in the portal, came out of the portal. Uh, those reasons why he ultimately came out of the portal, we may never know. But he is still at Coastal Carolina, still on. Uh, on the uh, on the surf turf down there, so they're coming off a nine and four year. Of course, they lose Jamie Chadwell. He is now headed to uh, he is at Liberty, I should say. So uh, five to one at DraftKings, eight to one at Circa. So interesting to note the difference there. Uh, win total of seven and a half at DraftKings, and they have quite the game to start the year uh, as they travel to. Uh, UCLA and they will take on uh, the Bruins to start the year where they are a 16 point underdog on the road against the Bruins. Yeah, I have plus 15 and a half in that one. So at least for that game, my projection for Coastal Carolina, my power rating for Coastal Carolina looks pretty good. After that, I mean, they got a couple of nice home games against Jacksonville State and Duquesne. And I think that's really important with a new head coach and Tim Beck. There won't be a whole lot of expectation going out to L.A., but in those two games in Week 2 and Week 3, that's where they can kind of iron out some kinks and kind of get themselves set up for Sunbelt play. I have a projection of 7.24 wins for this team, though, so I would look under rather than look over. McCall, was he a product of the Chadwell system, or is he just a really, really good quarterback? We're going to find that out this year because he'll have his top four wide receivers back. He'll have his running backs back as well, specifically Reese White. So the offense is in pretty good shape. Now, Travis Trickett was the OC and quarterback coach at South Florida, and South Florida was pathetic in terms of the passing game last year. So that's a pretty big concern, I think. But also, I mean, they dropped by 11.8 points per game and 1.7 yards per play from 2021 to 2022. That was still with Chadwell's offense. But, of course, as you mentioned, they had all sorts of injuries. But their defense gave up over 10 points more per game last season than it did the previous season. So everything's kind of going in reverse for Coastal Carolina, and I think they downgraded going from Jamie Chadwell to Tim Beck. So I kind of have a little bit more of a pessimistic approach or pessimistic thought process, I guess I'll say, with Coastal Carolina. Another interesting scheduling quirk for them. So they play three home games in the first four weeks. They're at UCLA, as we mentioned, Jacksonville State, the FBS newcomer, Duquesne, and then Georgia State. Then they have a away game, a bye, two more away games. They'll go over a month without playing a home game in the middle of this season. So that's also a little bit of a concern, I think, for them. I just I don't think Tim Beck is the guy. I think they're going to miss what we talked about in the Conference USA pod with all the pre-snap motion that Jamie Chadwell's offense had created a lot of mismatches in space that McCall really took advantage of 
I don't think they'll have that this year with this offense. So to me, I think it's under eight more than it's over eight, but eight and four is still a realistic possibility here for this team. It's just that, you know, last year things fell apart late. Was it Chadwell leaving? Was it all the injuries? Was it maybe something more? I don't know, but I'm very skeptical of both sides of the ball for this team. I mean, this is a Coastal Carolina team that I think most people remember, especially those listening. But in 2020, during the COVID year, they were number nine in the country uh, when they played in the Cure Bowl against Liberty, which went into overtime and Liberty ultimately won it. Ironically enough, that is, of course, where Jamie Chadwell is uh, now the head coach, where he got a hefty payday to come up to uh, to Lynchburg, Virginia, to take care uh, to take over that program for Hugh Freeze. But they've won 31 games over the last three years. I mean this this has been in a big time program. But yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you. Uh, you know, it, and I do wonder, Adam. And, and look, he he's a really good quarterback, and this isn't a knock, but. You know, what's the win total if Grayson McCall leaves? You know, as you alluded to, I think it's a fair question to ask. Is it Grayson McCall or was it the system? A little bit of both. That's probably the answer. But, you know, if if he's gone, you know, what is the win total? So I do wonder if there's a, a little bit of value towards the under uh, on Coastal Carolina, just because I think they're getting some credit because of the fact that Grayson McCall did hang, did stay uh, when uh, when Jamie Chadwell ultimately departed. So if I take a touchdown off of my power rating, which may even be a little bit light for Grayson McCall, he he's if he's out, he's probably worth at least a touchdown of the number, if not more. If I drop my power rating on them by a touchdown, I go from seven point two four wins to five point three five. So it's a huge difference with McCall being there and. I don't know. I guess there's some some good NIL money hanging around in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> the old surf turf. They found some money uh, out there. So Coastal Carolina, um, interesting to note because DraftKings has them as the third favorite. Circa actually has them as the fifth favorite in this Sunbelt Conference. So, And keep had- in mind, too, they don't play Troy or South Alabama, which is why their number is kind of where it is. They actually draw, I think it's Texas State, and Arkansas State out of the West, and and those are two poor teams. So that's also part of it, too, in this conference where the East, everybody can kind of beat everybody, but the schedule comes down to do you play Troy and or South Alabama, and Coastal Carolina does not. So we mentioned that the third favorite in the uh, at, at DraftKings is Coastal. The third favorite at Circa is actually Appalachian State, the boys from Boone. Um, disappointing year, I would say last year got off to an incredible start, right? They play North Carolina and one of the most crazy games that you'll see in Boone, 63, 61. I may have had app state as, uh, I think I, I think I had them on the money line, like plus one Oh five. They ultimately closed as a favorite, the old CLV and, uh, they did not win 63, 61. Then they go to Texas A&M. They win that game. Uh, they start with another win over Troy who ultimately wins the conference. And then they kind of, the wheels started to fall off, uh, for this app state team. Um, they went six and six. They didn't go to a bowl, which is kind of odd. Um, but, uh, app state six to one at circa to win this conference win total sitting at six and a half. Your non-con looks like this Gardner Webb to start the season at North Carolina 
East Carolina, a lot of turnover there in Greenville, and then quite the road trip to Laramie uh, to wrap up the non-conference portion of the schedule. They do get Coastal Carolina off a bye, but that's a Tuesday night game uh, in Boone where you'd imagine the atmosphere will be pretty good. Uh, The crossovers, they do avoid South Alabama and Troy, which is uh, which is a positive thing. Uh, they get ULM in the crossover and Southern Miss. So win total of six and a half at DraftKings uh, for the boys from Boone. Look, I have Appalachian State favored in ten games this year, and I think that you know this is a team where when you kind of look at them on paper, I think it's hard to really like the makeup of this roster. I also have some concerns about Sean Clark, their head coach going forward, because this was a really strong recruiting pipeline when you had Scott Satterfield there. Then you had the one year of Eli Drinkwitz. Now that you're further away from that, I'm not sure if they're bringing in the same level of talent that they previously were, and they don't have a power five transfer like Chase Price at starting quarterback this year. They're going to have a lot of inexperience at that position. But when you look at this team from last year, as you mentioned, they went six and six, but They were plus 8.1 points per game, plus 1.3 yards per play for the season, plus nine in turnover margin. How the hell did this team go six and six? I'm really not sure how that all kind of came together for them. And their schedule is weak this year. Like I said, I had them favored in 10 of 12 games. The dog rolls at North Carolina, not a surprise. At James Madison, I have them a half point dog. So effectively favored in 10 games, a toss up in one, and then you know, going to North Carolina. So I actually have 8.08 wins as a projection for this team, even though I don't necessarily like the makeup of the roster. I just think that the schedule is that week. I think Coastal Carolina falling off, they get them at home. So that's a game that they should be able to take care of business in. Do have that tricky road game at Wyoming, as you alluded to, but they get Marshall at home as well. They get some of their most important games, including Georgia Southern at home. So to me, I just think the schedule kind of gives them a high ceiling. And if they don't live up to it, that answers my questions about Sean Clark. So the schedule is beneficial. Maybe my projection is a little bit high, but it does take into account they play a very, very weak schedule. So if they reach those heights, I think it's largely because of their opposition more than their talent level. But I do have them a full win and a half higher than the market. So looking back at their schedule, um, they played two FCS teams. So that is why they didn't go to a bowl game last year. They played Citadel and Robert Morris. So uh, that was my answer why at six and six, they didn't make it to a bowl game. Um, yeah, I, I, I hard to disagree. I mean, you look at the schedule. So let's say they go one and three out of the shoot, which, you know, they could beat East Carolina at home. East Carolina lost a lot from last mm-hmm. year. I mean, Holt Naylor's. Uh, Keaton Mitchell. I mean, they, they lost a ton. So even saying one and three, you know, the crossover games are manageable. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they could, they think they have a shot to win the Sun Belt East. And I think that's why you're seeing their odds at Circa sitting at six to one, just, just for point of reference, six and a half is the win total at DraftKings, 135 to the over minus 135 to the over at seven at Circa. So, you know, uh, that, that extra half, game uh is uh, is put on at circa a team last year that went through the highs and lows uh was marshall uh marshall went on the road and uh beat notre dame the then eighth ranked team in the country um and i'll say this you know as a notre dame fan 
that wasn't a fluke. They kicked Notre Dame's ass. Uh, I thought they were the better team that day. Uh, and then they turn around, they lose to Bowling Green the following week. Uh, Marshall finished nine and four, um, you know, took care of business in the bowl game, beating UConn. Uh, they at Circa are plus 650 to win the conference, plus 750 at DraftKings uh, for, for the Thundering Herd uh, to win the championship. They do br- bring back a decent amount of talent. Um, but ultimately they do lose their starting running back who was, uh, who was a beast rush over 1500 yards. So there was a lot of solid pieces. They lose their defensive coordinator, which is a big loss too. So what do you make of the uh, Marshall thundering herd? Well, I will say at the running back position, they get Rasheen Ali back. So he's a guy that ran for over 1400 yards in his first season. So that could end up being, you know, maybe not that big of a drop off for them, but if you're a fan of Downton Abbey or C-SPAN or something like that, this is the college football team for you. Their games last year averaged 40 and a half combined points. Their eight games in conference play averaged 35 combined points, winning 19 to 16 on average. The bowl game was brutal, had, under, had 619 yards of offense. This is a boring football team. They're good on defense. Don't get me wrong but they were 113th in the nation in touchdown percentage in the red zone, just over 51%. They have to run the ball to be effective. They don't really get a whole lot of production from the quarterback position, and I don't think that they will this year either. But with Ali back, they may very well get that you know production once again from the running back position. They were tied for fifth in the nation in takeaways last year with 29. They had 11 fumble recoveries. I would fully expect that to kind of come back to earth a little bit. New defensive coordinator and Jason Seymour because Lance Guidry took that position at Miami, Florida. So Marshall, look, only three of the top 10 tacklers are back. This is a team that struggles to throw a forward pass. They're going to be boring again. But last year, they led the nation in third down defense by more than 3%. I think there are a lot of areas for this defense that will regress this season. Maybe Charles Huff is just that good of a head coach. But I think defensive regression is coming. I think they're going to have to play their ball control type of offense. And yet, much like I kind of talked about with Appalachian State, I have Marshall going over their win total. I have 7.78 wins for this team. The schedule's weak. The non-conference is not super exciting, although you know that game against North Carolina State will be a pretty interesting one. But I just, again, the schedule here, they, they avoid Troy. They do get South Alabama, but they avoid Troy. And even with some defensive regression. This team still has a chance to be pretty good. So it's another one where my projection is high, but my view of the roster is pretty low. So we'll wrap up with the, we'll get into all the teams, but really the contenders, I would think in the Sunbelt West, because remember James Madison's in the Sunbelt West, but they are ineligible. We've got the app state Marshall coastal Carolina and now let's get to Georgia Southern. So Georgia Southern, a team fifteen to one to win the conference at DraftKings, nine to one at Circa. Georgia Southern last year uh, went from triple option to you know airing it out with Clay Helton. Uh, they brought in the transfer Kyle Van Trees from uh, from Buffalo. They made a bowl game last year, the uh, the Kyle Van Trees Revenge Bowl, which they lost. Uh, the Camellia Bowl, Buffalo won that one 23-21. Um, you know, this is a team that won their final game of the year. 
to get to bowl eligibility against App State in a couple overtimes, went to Nebraska as a 23-point underdog and pulled off the upset, kind of sealing the fate for Scott Frost. Uh, and then they beat uh, James Madison. Believe it or not, I mean, oh, never mind. I was thinking Nebraska was ranked at the time, but beat a ranked team. So Georgia Southern, kind of a hard one to, to fully figure out. Year two of transition from uh, from the triple option. Non-conference schedule, Citadel, UAB, Wisconsin, Ball State. And uh, as you look at some of the crossover situations, um, you know, they avoid South Alabama and they avoid Troy as well. So do the Georgia Southern Eagles have a shot to win the uh, Sunbelt East Division? So this is my Hail Mary play of the Sunbelt. Georgia Southern, to me, looks like a very, very high variance team. And I was dead wrong on their season win total last year. I thought going from that spread option that they were running, going to Clay Helton and Brian Ellis's West Coast style of offense, I thought there's no way in hell that this works. Not only did it work, it worked out quite well. I mean, the defense was atrocious, but the offense was really, really good. So, yes, they lost the Kyle Van Trees Bowl, but they may have gotten the last laugh because they stole Buffalo's defensive coordinator after losing to him, Brandon Bailey, one of the youngest DCs in the country. But they bring in Davis Brin from Tulsa, who is a very, very experienced quarterback. They've got their two top receivers back. Their leading rusher is back. They had 6.2 yards per play last year and only gave up seven sacks. And Davis Brin got his ass kicked on a regular basis at Tulsa last year. They had no offensive line to speak of. They had major injury problems at the quarterback position. If he's able to stay upright, this offense is going to be very, very potent. The question is, does the defense get better? They only bring back four starters, but that's probably a good thing because they gave up over 3,000 rushing yards on the season. So they need to make a big leap defensively. That is something that they really, really have to figure out. But I think this offense has a chance to be one of the best in the country. So even though I only have their season win total projection at about 619 I think in the East, where Coastal's probably worse, App State, a lot of toss-up games. We'll see what they do. Marshall doesn't really impress me. James Madison's going to take a step back. I think Georgia Southern can win the East Division. And there'll be a dog against Troy or South Alabama, no doubt about that. But I think Georgia Southern can win the East. I really, truly believe that it is a high-variance enough division for them to be the team that emerges. So right now at DraftKings, Coastal Carolina is the favorite to win the East at plus 165. App State is at plus 260. Remember, James Madison, this is the fourth time I've said it, so you probably know by now, they're ineligible. Marshall plus 425. Georgia Southern is 5-1 to one to win the Sun Belt East. I wish they got a couple of those games at home. They get Coastal at home, but they go to James Madison, to Marshall, and they close out the year at Appalachian State, which could potentially be a play-in game for the Sun Belt East. So, yeah, if you're looking for a bit of a flyer, as mentioned, you can find them at 15 to one to win the conference at DraftKings, five to one to win the division, Adam. So, uh, there's a, a little intriguing long-ish shot if you like the Eagles to uh, to win the Sun Belt East. Yeah, and they were plus 750 when we put together the college football betting guide. So it was about 11 days ago. So. Somebody has kind of moved this number around, probably thinking the same thing I am. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is the best team in the East Division, but I am going to sit here and tell you that 
I all of these teams are flawed. All of them are pretty deeply flawed, to be honest with you. So if Georgia Southern figures anything out on defense, that's a big if, then they can very easily be in that situation. So it's one of those plays where it's just like, you know what? I, I think their ceiling may be the highest of anybody. Their floor is relatively low too, but you know, five to one, I mean, plus seven fifty is a much different number than five to one, but I, I still think that this is a team that intrigues me quite a bit here for this season. And look, keep in mind, I mean, Clay Helton wasn't coaching at USC by accident. I mean, yeah, he's kind of trying to rebuild his career at Georgia Southern, but he wasn't there by accident. You know, he wasn't a power five OC by accident. So this is a well-coached team too. And I think you have questions about that with Coastal and with App State. Got to ask yourself, right? With a with a division that seems kind of wide open, you avoid the two big dogs uh, on the other side. As mentioned, you get a couple of them at, uh, on the road, which is unfortunate. But you know, implied probability is sixteen point six seven percent, so it's about seventeen percent. Does this team have a better than seventeen percent chance to win the Sun Belt East? I think that's kind of what it boils down to, right? Could Georgia Southern, if you simulated the whole season, do they? win this division more than 70% of the time. I certainly think it's possible. And and again, I mean, you know, you're talking about app state with no experience at the quarterback position. You're talking about Marshall with no quarterback play whatsoever and some probable regression on defense and James Madison. They're in a rebuilding year, I think to some degree and coastal again, that's the burning question. Is Grayson McCall really that good? Or is Jamie Chadwell just an offensive savant? And I guess we'll find that out both with Coastal and also with Liberty, where it's a pretty complicated scheme to learn, as we talked about during the Conference USA pod. So look, I mean, I to me, I think the only game where Georgia Southern's drawing dead is when they go to Madison and, and go to Camp Randall and take on Wisconsin. I think it's the only game they're drawing dead. I do have them as a double-digit dog against both Marshall and App State on the road. But, I mean, those are late in the year, too. It's week 11 and week 13. If Georgia Southern's really got this thing together, they could be the class of the East by the time they play those two games. And those lines look very different than they look right now. All right, we'll roll through the rest uh, of these teams uh, with some quick hitters here. Let's get to the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana. Um, Last year, 6-6 and regular season, uh, went to a bowl game uh, and pushed against Houston and uh, I think you could have got a better number. I gotta, let me double check my records. I feel like I bet against Houston in that bowl game because <laughs> Dana Holgerson does not care about bowl games. So, uh, but no, that was uh, a situation where uh, Houston did ultimately win uh, twenty-three to sixteen in that bowl game. I think I didn't bet it, um, but uh, Louisiana right now ten to one at DraftKings, twenty to one at circa to win the uh to win the Sun Belt. Six and a half win total uh at DraftKings. What do you see about the Ragin' Cajuns? Yeah, this is a really, really bad schedule. So I actually have them for seven point two one wins, but if I had to make a pick on this team and I did for the college football playoff or college football betting guide, I would go under. Even though my projection is high, I, I think this is a team where a lot of talent went out the door. I don't think it helps that Billy Napier's gone either. They just, look, I mean, this is a team in 2020 and 2021 that was plus 25 in turnover margin. So last year, regression was very much coming. It did come. They had their first losing season since 2017. 
And I think despite my projection, this has the chance to be another one where maybe they go six and six and make a bowl game, but they lost a lot. Their quarterback position is not impressive at all. Both guys were also hurt in the spring and haven't really gotten a ton of reps. Their leading receiver, Michael Jefferson, had more than double the catches and receiving yards of anybody else on the team, and he's gone. The defense regressed a little bit, and the losses are very heavy on the defensive side, too. So I just look, I mean, you know, they go to South Alabama, they go to Troy. I just think this is a year that's a tough one for Louisiana. So even though my projection is high, it's only schedule based. And I think this team may be one of the bigger disappointments in the conference. Let's get to Georgia State. I think they were a bit of a disappointment last year. I mean, to think they ultimately went four and eight. And they were only a touchdown underdog at home against UNC, uh, a, a game I think we gave out on this podcast. Uh, I took a, I took seven and a half, uh, and they ultimately lost by uh, lost by a touchdown to North Carolina. But you know, this is a team that kind of was all over the place. Sean Elliott enters year seven as the head coach of the Panthers. They do bring back their quarterback, Darren Granger. Uh, Georgia Southern, or excuse me, Georgia State. I beg your pardon. At DraftKings, twenty-two to one. 30 to 1 at Circa in the crossover games. Uh, they do have to play Troy. And uh, they also go on the road to LSU uh, in the uh, in, in November, late November, in that kind of typical bye week situation that you always see for the SEC. So they get a tough crossover game. They do get Troy at home, uh, which is uh, you know, advantageous, I guess, in that spot. But uh, what do you make of Georgia State this year? Win total sitting at five and a half. Yeah, I have 5.76 wins here, and that's, of course, keeping in mind they have no chance of beating LSU. The non-conference schedule, Rhode Island, UConn, and Charlotte. And they do have to go on the road to Charlotte, but it looks like a rebuilding year, to say the least, for the 49ers. It's really tough for me with Georgia State because when I look at their conference games here, I don't have any line bigger than seven. They're a seven-point favorite on the road at Old Dominion for me. Every other number, they're a dog, but no bigger than a four-and-a-half-point dog. So this is a team that... They're going to play, have a lot of toss-up games throughout the course of the season. A lot of lines that are plus or minus, you know, plus three, plus four, plus five, stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, this is a team that did have some losses. They're kind of living the group of five life where anybody who's any good either transfers out to an FBS program or, you know, winds up being an undrafted free agent or something like that kind of thing. They're not great on paper. And they have even more reliance on Darren Granger, but Darren Granger is a damn good player. So to me, it's just a lot of toss up games. I, I think, you know, I have them for 5.76 wins. I would probably lean more towards five and seven than six and six, but they're going to have a lot of games where, you know, they're going to be in the 40, 45% range to win them. If they win more of them than they lose, then they'll wind up overachieving and outperforming expectations. But I, I don't know if they're going to be bowl eligible this year. I think five and seven is the most likely outcome. To the next team we go, and I'm going to say a na- number, 329. That was the amount of rushing yards Frank Gore Jr. had in the Lending Tree Bowl last December as Southern Miss beat Rice 38-24. to 24. Uh, They covered the six-point point spread. It was a NCAA bowl record not a lending tree bowl record no no an ncaa bowl record frank gore jr believe it or not is back rushed for 1382 yards last year so he does return 
for Southern Miss, who went six and six in the regular season last year, won the bowl game to go seven and six. Win total this year for the Golden Eagles sits at five, 25 to one to win the conference at DraftKings, 40 to one to win the conference at Circa. They are in the uh, in the tough division. They are in the uh, Sun Belt West, so they get South Alabama on a Tuesday night on the road, and then they close the season at home against Troy. Yeah, so Frank Gore Jr. also had a 4-0 to touchdown-interception ratio last year because he wound up having to play Wildcat quarterback at times as a team. They had a 20-14 to touchdown-interception ratio. So guys that are actual quarterbacks had a 16-14 to touchdown-interception ratio for this team. So... That gives you an idea of what the hurdle is here for Will Hall this year. He's got to find a quarterback. He's got to find somebody that can actually take that position and kind of run with it. And it's new faces. They lost their top receiver. They're probably better off just running the Wildcat with Gore at all times and seeing what happens. But, look, I mean, I got this team for 5.95 wins. I think a bowl game is is definitely a possibility for them. The non-conference is brutal. Florida State, Tulane, Mississippi State. If they find a quarterback that'll really help them in conference play here, especially being, as you mentioned, in the weaker division. Uh, Gore's got to stay healthy, too, though. I mean, if Gore doesn't stay healthy, this team will bottom out. Um, the secondary, the defense is kind of rebuilt, but there's some talent on this team, and and Gore's the best back in the conference. So I, I think they go 6-6, six and six, and I, I have their projection at 5.95, so it would be over rather than under for me. To the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. And uh, if you're playing along with us at home, yes, Butch Jones, still their head coach, believe it or not. Uh, The once upon a time Cincinnati and Tennessee coach enters year three at Arkansas State. And uh, it has been a disastrous run so far down there in Jonesboro for, uh, for old Butch Jones. Win total for the Red Wolves sitting at four and a half. They're 60 to one to win the conference at DraftKings. 50 to 1 at Circa. Uh who do they open up the season with? Well, they go uh, a little little road trip, a little road trip to Norman, Oklahoma, where they are a 33 and a half point underdog uh to Oklahoma, then they bring in Memphis. Uh they also get UMass in the non-con. So, uh whenever you have UMass there, there's a hope that you can win. They've actually been recruiting decently well. Uh you might have heard that when he was at Tennessee and didn't really lead to a ton of wins for him, but Two and ten, three and nine the first two years for Butch Jones. So he's got to do some things if he wants to avoid a pink slip uh, down there in Jonesboro. What do you make of the Red Wolves in 2023, Adam? Yeah, it's one of my favorite season win totals in the Sun Belt Conference. I only have this team with a projection of 3.26 wins and, and a lot of places in the market at four and a half. I only have them favored twice, Stony Brook and UMass. And I do have a pick them at home against Texas State, but Texas State, who we'll get to here in a minute, is one of the most fascinating teams to me (laughs) in the country this season for a variety of different reasons. But Arkansas State, I mean, they gave up a million yards a couple of years ago. They did get better last year, and their defensive coordinator, Rob Harley, was the linebackers coach at Pitt. Pat Narduzzi's been pretty good with defenses throughout his career. So Harley being a Narduzzi disciple, I think defensively they could be okay. That said, they were still outgained by 114 yards per game in Sunbelt play. So that's not great. I don't love the quarterback position. I know they brought in JT Shrout, but not really thinking too much about that. They had under five yards per play last year, under three yards per carry. I think this team is atrocious. I think they're really bad. 
they may very well be the worst team in that West division. Uh, that was one of my favorite season win totals was Arkansas State under. Even if they get four wins, I'm, I have no idea how they get to five. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Brett McMurphy, who uh, has uh, the favorite musical artists of every college football coach. This is a little uh, thing that he's doing on uh, on on social media. Um, I don't know. We might have to re-examine some win totals. Um <laughs> Because Kane Womack's favorite musician musical artist is Coldplay. Okay. Yeah, it's not not great. Okay. Uh, if you're wondering about Butch Jones, the reason I brought that up is for Texas State, which I'm going to get to here in just a second. Uh, but Cole Swindell uh, is uh, Butch Jones' favorite musical artist. That surprises me. That really surprises me. <laughs> in a good way or a bad way? Uh, maybe he's... I don't know. Like... Cole Swindell is probably half his age. So that, that kind of surprises me. <laughs> um, here we go. Uh, now that I feel like I piqued people's curiosity, Appalachian State, Sean Clark, Luke Combs. I mean, you have to. He went to App State. That's true. It's the only answer you can give. It's true. Coastal Carolina's Tim Beck, the Eagles. That sounds about right. Dated offense, dated yeah. band. Sounds, sounds about, about right. right. Yeah. Uh, Georgia State's Sean Elliott. Uh, he gained some points from from me on this one. He's a Foo Fighters fan. Yep. Right. Uh, Georgia Southern's Clay Helton, also Cole Swindell. Well, he went to Georgia Southern, so yeah. James Madison's Kurt Signetti, Neil Young. Okay. Marshall's Charles Huff, Michael Jackson. We haven't gotten to the fighting Ricky Ronnies of Old Dominion yet. Nirvana. You don't see Nirvana out there too often. These no, days. you really don't. Not, <laughs> not, not so much anymore, no. Uh, Louisiana's head coach, uh, is it, uh, man, Mike uh, DeSormo? 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 Eric Church. Uh, Southern Mrs. Will Hall. Jimmy Buffett. All right. Troy's John Summerall. Chris Stapleton, and then uh, Terry Bowden, who we haven't gotten to yet, at UL Monroe, James Taylor. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> well, I left the best for last as we get to the preview of Texas State, who is fascinating. G.J. G. J. Kinney comes in. Uh, if you won a lot of money on, uh, on Western Kentucky once upon a time, well, uh, you can thank uh, Mr. Kinney there. Um, or was that Zach Kitley? That was Kitley. That was yeah. Kitley. He was uh, Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word. Offensive yeah. coordinator. And uh, then he took over as uh, head coach. And now he is the head coach at Texas State. His favorite musical artist, Little Baby. Hmm. So there All you right. go. Well, I mean, he's also what, like 30? He is young. He is very young. Um, but G.J. Kinney, uh, who played his college football at Tulsa started at uh, Texas A and or Texas, and then uh, played a little bit in the uh, in the NFL. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll leave to you the uh, the fascination of Texas State. Who, uh, if you saw Incarnate Word play at all last year, um, high flying FCS program, you're going to get a lot of FCS Incarnate Word with Texas State. Yeah, you're going to get some fun with this team. I mean. Last year, Incarnate Ward scored 51.5 points per game, 581 yards of offense per game. So 
if nothing else, this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun down in San Marcos. And not only that, I mean, he brought in TJ Finley from Auburn, graduate transfer, Malik Hornsby from Arkansas. And, you know, his quarterback last year, Lindsey Scott Jr., won the FCS equivalent of the Heisman, the Walter Payton Award, 60 touchdown passes against eight interceptions. So if nothing else, Texas State's going to be much more interesting offensively. And Incarnate Word was actually a pretty balanced offense, too. It wasn't just about the pass. They ran the ball for over 200 yards per game. He brought his OC, Mac Leftwich, with him. But the interesting thing is this defense is really terrible at Texas State. <laughs> so this is going to be a team. They may play Georgia Southern-esque scores from last year. Like Georgia Southern had multiple games where both teams were 30-plus. Texas State's probably going to do this, too. They will put the fun in fun belt. I promise you that. And he's got some talent as well here at the quarterback position. That being said, I mean, I only have this team for, I think it's 3.22 wins or something like that. So I do have them at a pretty low projection. Uh, Starting with Baylor and UTSA will not be particularly helpful. Jackson State did lose a ton. I Basically what I did for FCS games in terms of projections, I just took what Sagarin had at the end of last year because I don't power rate or handicap FCS. Jackson State is not going to be the same team without Dion, without his son, with all the other losses that they've had. So that probably bumps Texas State up to maybe 3.7 wins for me, uh, something like that. But look, this team's going to be fun as hell. And if this clicks quickly, they could be real interesting late in the year and play spoiler because they play Troy, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, and South Alabama after the bye. So if this clicks... They're they got four games against teams that are better than them, or they could really dictate what happens in both divisions. I'm rooting for chaos. I'm rooting for the Bobcats to be good. No play on their season win total, but man, I hope this is a fun season for them. GJ Kinney, you know, there probably aren't many head coaches out there who have, I guess now we're getting to the age where there, there are a bunch, but how many head coaches had a, rivals page because he did (laughs) it's a good question that's a really good question he committed to texas on december 28 2006 he was a three-star recruit on rivals and uh, he was the 15th best quarterback uh, in the country according to rivals 25th in uh on espn went to tulsa uh you know as mentioned played in the played in the league for a little bit had some bounce arounds and some odd leagues, played in the CFL. But here's his uh, most recent stops. He was the offensive coordinator at Hawaii in 2020, offensive coordinator for UCF in 21, went to Incarnate Word for that one year, and now he's at Texas State. A Texas State program that has never been to a bowl game. And uh, according to 247 Sports, it might be more, Adam, but 247 Sports has them down for 37 transfers that they took this, uh, this cycle. I mean, that, that is, that sounds about right. That and, is, and look, I mean, you know, the thing about this too, is you, you talk about that resume and obviously Hawaii, you get kind of the run and shoot element. He was an analyst or, you know, special projects coach with the Eagles back in 2019. This guy knows offense and he also knows tempo because that one year as the co-OC at UCF, that was with Josh Heupel. So that's a quick tempo team. So that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. If this defense is bad, I you couldn't pay me 
to bet an under with this team. Like you just simply couldn't. So, man, I hope it clicks. I hope it's fun. It's GJ Kinney. This is this is what Group of Five should be. Honestly, giving guys like this a chance, especially at Texas State, we're like, what the hell do we have to lose? So I'm I'm really hoping that this dude succeeds. Also, uh, looking at his Wikipedia page, I, I didn't remember this. Where when he was at Canton High School, uh, the parent of one of his teammates shot his dad in the chest, and his dad lived. Apparently, he was given a ten percent chance to live, according to the Wikipedia. Which obviously everything's true on Wikipedia, but that part is sourced. Wow. Um, but his dad lived, and like this dude, I. I'll watch the documentary when he takes Texas State to a bowl game. That's all I'm going to say. I wish they had a weekday game. I'll just say that. They don't have a weekday game. That's a disappointment uh, this year. But they do play Baylor out of the shoot. They're a 25-point underdog. Um, you always just wonder. Um, you know, F- It's basically an FCS program. However, names that you know, as you alluded to, a quarterback with Malik Hornsby and, uh, and TJ Finley. All right. Uh, we got a couple more teams. Uh, Old Dominion. God, they're going to be awful. Um, and they, they... <laughs> that's probably enough, right? That's yeah. all we need to say. I mean, uh, you, if you want to expound, but Ricky Ronnie in this program, um, I don't know what happened to old dominion. You know, they've, they've come a long way from beating Virginia tech to open up the season. They went three and nine last year. Uh, remember they didn't play football in 2020, uh, due to COVID they made a bowl game in 2021 and then last year went three and nine, even though they opened the season with a win over Virginia Tech and just an absolutely bonkers game. Um, so they're right now 150 to one to win the conference at Circa. Three and a half is their win total. They open up against Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech is not very good this year. I'm going to go ahead and say you should probably lay the points with Virginia Tech. I think they're going to be up for that one after losing last year uh, down in uh, down in Hampton. Uh, was it uh, Newport News? Where Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, it's um, Old Dominion, bad football team, bad band as well, for what it's <laughs> worth. But look, I mean, so they bring in Fordham's offensive coordinator, Kevin Decker, and Fordham was actually a really – productive offensive team at the FCS level last year, but Blake Watson's gone. He was their leading rusher. uh, Allie Jennings is gone. He was their leading receiver. They don't really have any experience whatsoever at the quarterback position here. They do bring in the Fordham transfer Grant Wilson. I'm imagining he'll probably end up starting, but my favorite note about old dominion, by the way, I have them for 3.21 wins. So a little bit below what their win total line is. Jason Henderson had 186 tackles last year. He was one of two guys with more than 40. So apparently this dude, I don't know if he cloned himself and he was just all over the field, but 186 tackles is a ridiculous number. Yes, uh, probably not good, you know. I, it's kind of an indicator that your, uh, your defensive line is probably a little, uh, also, little lacking. 186 tackles and only nine of them were tackles for loss. So <laughs> I mean, that's a lot good. of people were coming to his way through that front front four. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great at all. But he's one of two guys that comes back. I should clarify that one of two guys that comes back with more than 40 tackles from last year. So maybe he's going to go for 200 this year. I don't know. I hope he does. 
All right, we'll wrap on uh, on the Terry Bowdens. UL Monroe, uh, three and a half their win total, uh, heavily juiced to the under for UL Monroe. 150 to one to win the conference at DraftKings, 100 to one to win it at Circa. UL Monroe, the Warhawks. Go ahead. Yeah, interesting team because like they have a flair for the dramatic. I mean, they're a dog in virtually every game that they play. But if you remember two years ago, they beat Troy as a 23 and a half point dog, beat Liberty as a 33 point dog, and also South Alabama as a two touchdown dog. Last year, they had a couple of underdog wins, including beating Louisiana in the Battle of the Bayou. Uh, Then they right after that, I think they got smoked by somebody. It was like one of the biggest letdown spots of the season. Um, This is still not a very good team, but. The fighting Terry Bounds, as you mentioned, they have a knack for, you know, winning a game or two that they absolutely shouldn't. So those are really dangerous teams. I mean, I have them projected for barely over three wins. Their win total is three and a half, but they're going to pick off somebody. They just they always do. So I would be very, very scared of this team. But I will say interesting week one game where uh, they take on Army. So they got to defend the triple option right out of the shoot. I'll tell you who they're going to beat. They'll beat Troy because they'll play Troy the week after they play South Alabama. <laughs> yep. Beat they, Troy as a two touchdown home they, dog. They get them at right. home. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. They're going to beat Troy November 11th. Mark it down. <laughs> the Warhawks <laughs> taking down Troy after they beat South Alabama. All right. Uh, we have gone through all the Sunbelt teams. Uh, let's, let's put a neat bow on this one. You gave out a couple of your favorite plays um, I know that, uh, you know, Georgia Southern as your long shot to maybe win, uh, the division, the Sunbelt East, but, uh, to put a bow on it, what were, what were your, some of your favorite plays in the Sunbelt, Adam? Yeah, I think Georgia Southern is a bit of a long shot. There were some better numbers out there. There probably are some better numbers yeah. out there other than what DraftKings has. Uh, it's five to one at DraftKings shop around though. Like I said, it was plus seven fifty earlier on. I think Georgia Southern is kind of the Hail Mary team to win it. I, I think App State over six and a half wins is a good bet, too, because frankly, if it's not Georgia Southern, I think it's App State. I think App State's just, you know, probably the best team in the East here. Georgia Southern, the team with the highest ceiling. Uh, one of my favorite win totals under on Arkansas State. I think they will be incredibly bad once again. Um, you could probably bet the over blindly in Texas State games and do fairly well this season so that's a possibility um and the southern miss one kind of intrigues me if they find a quarterback early in the year they're not good enough to you know topple troy or south alabama for the west but if you look at an in-season win total if they find anybody worth a damn at that position they could be a pretty good team this year so i would think about maybe taking an over five position on southern miss hoping that will hall figures it out and he is a pretty accomplished offensive coordinator so he probably should Final thought here, because you did preview the American Athletic Conference. Um, South Alabama's at Tulane to start the season. I- I'm telling you right now, the world's going to be on Tulane in that spot. Um, but maybe they'll be right. Um, the, the market has moved. I think it opened six and a half. So it's pretty much seven across the board. We'll see what, you know, if we get a seven and a half out there uh, as we get closer. But any thoughts on South Alabama, who I believe is is your your pick to win this conference against Tulane week one, really intriguing week one game. Uh, that'll be a primetime game, eight o'clock Eastern uh, down in, uh, in Tulane. Well, I think one of my favorite things about South Alabama is how well coached they are. You know, I mentioned that they won a lot of close games last year and sometimes that's fluky. And sometimes you can just chalk it up to 
having good leadership, having good coaches, guys that make the right decisions at the right times. So I think South Alabama will be very, very ready for that game. My number on the game is five. So if I can get seven and a half or better on South Alabama, I think that's a play I will be looking to make. I'm not saying Tulane's overlooking South Alabama. It's the opening game of the year. You're not going to be in a look ahead spot week two. there. But Ole Miss in week two is yep. that's one that you're really kind of keyed in on. So if they sleep on South Alabama at all whatsoever, the Jaguars are a very, very dangerous team. So if I get better than a touchdown there, I'll, I'll end up with a little piece of the dog against the number. Yeah, I think situationally, like you said, it's a it's a season opener, so you're not going to get too much of a look ahead. But the fact that an SEC program is coming to uh, take on Tulane. There'll be, a, I would assume, uh, this is, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance that September 2nd game on ESPNU uh, with the fact that they won the Cotton Bowl last year. Willie Fritz is still there. Michael Pratt is still there. Um, you know, they lost, uh, they lost their defensive coordinator. Uh, they lost two defensive coordinators because they initially got uh, the Marshall D coordinator. Then he left to go to Miami, I believe. Right. So, Yep. Uh, they lost two guys with over 100 tackles. They lost Tajay Spears. I, I would say if you can get seven and a half, which I think you'll be able to get week of, that, mm-hmm. that could intrigue me to take a little nibble on the Jaguars there in uh, in week two. Primetime game, ESPNU, uh, you know, preseason top 25 for Tulane, finished last year top 10. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but I think that'll be an interesting spot there for uh, – for South Alabama to potentially make some noise. And regardless, I mean, I, you know, final thought here, regardless, odds makers are showing a hell of a lot of respect for South Alabama. So you're telling, basically they're saying that that would be around a pick, maybe two lane minus one or two uh, in, you know, at South Alabama. That's, that's a lot of respect for the Jags considering two lane is, you know, preseason top 25 team. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think South Alabama is one of the best group of five teams out there this year. So I think they're deserving of the respect. And also, let's be honest. I mean, you want to be on South Alabama so that when they cover, you can rub it in Sean King's face. <laughs> oh, man. I'll say this about uh, Sean King. For those unaware, me and Sean King, former two-lane quarterback, VEASAN primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I bet on Tulane against Kansas State which they won outright. I didn't have a nibble on the money line. And then I came back and took Southern Miss in what was just a wacky, wacky game where uh, they lost and a very strange spot where they were a 12-point underdog. But uh, I think that I think it went 2-0 and betting on or against Tulane. I'm pretty sure I, I called it a year uh, there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, might have to, uh, I might have to do a little 7.5 there just to, just to have a little fun uh, with Sean. But, uh, Adam, any final parting words on the fun belt uh, as we wrap up another, uh, I think, our final group of five preview? Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, it's good to be back on the show. It's good to do the three conference previews with you. And as you mentioned at the top, you know, we're going to have, I believe it's four episodes per week in the feed here. They're doing the college lines revealed with JVT and Pam Maldonado. That's on Sundays. That'll get worked in. You and I will have the Monday night slash Tuesday morning show. Uh, I know you're going to do one with humans later in the week as well. So happy to get this running once again. But look, if you're not a VSIN Pro subscriber yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Our college football betting guide came out August 3rd, had team previews of all 133 teams, some feature articles as well. August 31st, we're going to do a much, much shorter, but a little bit of a refreshed version of our NFL betting guide based on what happened in the preseason, injuries, some contest strategy pieces, 
um, kind of getting a little bit of a look at all 32 teams, specifically looking at some guys you may want to keep in mind from a player prop standpoint. So we got that coming out August 31st. And look, you know, if you get an annual subscription at this point, you're going to get everything we do for college basketball, NBA, NHL, start of the next MLB season, which I'm sure will be here before we know it. Everything we do for the Super Bowl, March Madness. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. It goes a long way uh, at VEASAN. And, you know, I had meetings with the writers today on Monday talking about our content plan. I'm very excited about our football content plan on a weekly basis this year. So if you want to get it all, the only way to do it is to be a VEASAN Pro subscriber. And it's, it's the way to go now at this point, I would say. Couldn't have said it better myself. Follow Adam on Twitter at Skating Tripods. You can follow me at one Tim Murray. Uh, if you're listening to this in order, uh, Matt Humans and myself will be back uh, later this week to preview the Big 12. We'll get Matt's thoughts on uh, on the final ride for Oklahoma and Texas, and if one of those teams will ultimately win the conference. So we will have that for you later. As uh, as Adam mentioned, we're We're rolling, baby. We're ready to get going. Week zero, less than two weeks away. So for Adam Burke, I am Tim Murray. As I always say to close it out, please rate, review, and subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything, and it really helps us out. So please do that uh, if you've liked what you've heard. But once again, for Adam, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you later here on the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.